Hey there, and welcome back to Needed Conversations. This is Ryan and Victoria Cole. Welcome back. We've been in a series called As For Me and My House. Mm-hmm. It's been really good. We've had some interviews. We've talked about how to develop a really healthy family rhythm, you know. And, and I love that we did it throughout the summer because I think that really is going to help a lot of people to think through well, their through the family end, dynamic. Through the end of spring and summer. So yeah. it's it's been, been that way. And we're getting ready ourselves to kind of take a little break. Um, and then we'll come back strong um, in August or September. And we've got a lot of things planned for the marriage ministry. Uh, some more workshops. The marriage revival tour is still happening And we're planning for New York and California and all of those details. So make sure you stay tuned at moremostforever.com for all of those resources. And then for your daily inspiration on Instagram at moremostforever. And if you go to our website, you can uh, enroll in a a course that is self-paced. So you don't have to wait for an event to get help. We also do one-on-one sessions, premarital counseling, all of those things, and we've got some other stuff in the works. This vision is so large, and we need your help to make that happen. Would you consider becoming a financial partner? You can go there now to our website, moremostforever.com, and at the bottom, you should see a little donate button, become a one-time donor or a monthly partner of any amount, and help us to... Uh, bring God's design for marriage and family back to the forefront of our conversations. Yes. As we're talking about needed conversations. Today's episode, we are talking about finances. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about friendship. We've talked about spiritual growth. But one of the leading causes of divorce is not infidelity. It's not uh, some of these things that you would think would be at the top of the list. But it's actually finances. I think it's a source of stress for a lot of people. We know the Bible says where your treasure is, there is your heart. So I think it reveals a lot of character flaws um, of a person. And so in marriage, I think it, it becomes a point of contention. And I think it's a timely conversation that we're having right now. Obviously, the United States and the world really we're experiencing a post-COVID inflation. Uh, there's a lot of political reasons for that. We can sit here and cast blame. Leadership, you know, everything rises and falls upon leadership. So I think that they bear the blunt of responsibility. But of course, we know that there's been a lot that the world has endured over the last couple of years. War, yeah. a pandemic, mm-hmm. and those Supply sort of things. Chains. Yes. Yeah. And the economy as a whole is... Uh, an organism, right? Mm-hmm. It's an ebb and flow. And that's why they call it currency. It's like, you know, it's either moving, constricting or restricting. And and it's this ebb and flow. It's contracting back and forth. And so there are going to be seasons where the economy sort of resets itself. Um, and, of course, if we don't make the right political decisions um, and diplomatic international decisions then we can find ourselves uh, prolonging seasons of contraction when it comes to uh, finances. Even the Bible talked about that. Uh, You see the year of Jubilee. You see certain times of reset when debts were destroyed and you paid back this or, you know, the economy itself sort of reset. There was like biblical strategies for managing the finances of a nation. Um, But it's happening as well. We're talking 
from the perspective of the United States of America, but it's happening all over the world. There's a wealth transfer that's happening. There's a shift in the economy that's taking place. There's talk of another recession. And none of those things you should fear if you're a child of God. Yes. Because as we've mentioned in previous episodes, your marriage has to be built upon a mission. Mm -hmm. And your mission isn't controlled by uh, the resources that you can see with your physical eyes, mm-hmm. right? Your vision should never be relegated to the amount of money in your bank account. And so you have to build a financial strategy and then build in, uh, build that upon faith and be practical about your budget, but also think ahead about the kind of life that you want to live and the resources that's going to be required for you to fulfill your vision and create a future budget as well. You mm-hmm. know, those are some of the things that we do right off the bat. Uh, I know I've talked a lot. What are your thoughts about um, money and the, what we're experiencing right now with inflation and all that? I mean, I, I think it's very challenging for people, especially if they are have not been good stewards of money. And I'm not you know, throw in shade on anybody because there's a lot of different things that can come into play. You know, um, you may be unemployed or you may be a single mom or, um, you know, you may not have been getting raises for the past six years, you know, and the pricing of everything goes up, but now you had to have cutbacks. But what I'm saying is when you are a child of God, like Ryan said, you really are walking by faith and not by sight. But I also think of a scripture that says, faith without works is dead. And I think it's a, it's a, our responsibility to take what God has given us, whether he's given us one talent, two talents, five, or ten. We are called to um, to steward. steward it in such a way where we're able to multiply what God has given us. You can see that all in God's creation, that God has given us the seed and in that seed form, there's thousands of apples. And in those apples, there's more seeds. It's it's a multiplying power. And it's not about, you know, consuming the seed so that now you're not able to plant that, what God has given you. But it's being strategic and allowing God to give you wisdom in where to put this kind of thing into action so that you can create wealth not only for you, but for your family and also bless others around you. I think, uh, you know, it's it's good to care for your family, but I think God's uh, plan for us is for us to have, tr- you know, to transfer wealth beyond even our children. I think that that's the plan of God because he, uh, he multiplies everything that he, he creates. And so um, I think that we have to be good stewards of the finances. And I think if you are, as an individual, before, if you were not a good steward of money, I think it's even more challenging when you get married and now you're having conflict of interest uh, because you're both pulling in different directions because you both have different priorities. Right, and those are competing when you're not having a marriage that's built on a common mission. And this is why we fall back again. The same thing that we've talked about in a previous episode, how mission, again, it's almost like floating on the boat, and you step out on the water, but you always have that anchor to go back to. Like if you ever have challenging moments 
and you're struggling and you feel like you're drowning, you can always go back to your boat. And that boat is your mission. Like, what are we doing? It helps you uh, say no to things that may be good, but they are unprofitable for you. You know, that's what Paul said. And this is a scripture we often use when it comes to um, sort of those gray areas that, that aren't as black and white, you know, when it comes to sin issues or whatever, you know, he says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, Pro- beneficial, yeah. but another translation is profitable. Mm-hmm. And you have to think from that wealth perspective that wealth isn't about the, the numbers of dollars and cents that are in your bank account, Right. But it's about your ability to uh, think beyond the physical, tangible representation of wealth to wealth itself, right? Because dollars and currency, you know, no matter what country you live in, it's all just um, a perceived value of wealth. And a lot of times that wealth is dependent on the strength of the, the economy as a whole of your country and how you're positioned in the global uh, uh, economy. And and so some of those things are out of your hand, but what's in your control, like your ability to tap into your creativity, um, because the fact of the matter is the world isn't ruled by money. The world is run by ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and whoever is able to innovate is able to thrive no matter what the economy looks like. And I think as believers, we have the upper hand because we have access to the creator of all creators, mm-hmm. creator God, who created the heavens and the earth and the universe and all of the intricate details of this world that we live in. And as believers, we're designed in the image of God to be creative as well. And so we have that ability to think um, from a broader perspective and be able to uh, develop ideas that generate income, but also help push humanity forward in a positive direction, all of those things. And and what I teach about when it comes to purpose is, is that rethinking success, you know, uh, rethinking what wealth looks like rethinking mm-hmm. the word prosperity because prosperity really has nothing to do with money itself but prosperity is having all of the resources that you need to fulfill your purpose and for every person that's going to be different that's why when it comes to preaching about money you should never blanket preach god wants to make you a millionaire I don't think that that is a word for everyone. I don't think every person's going to become a millionaire in their lifetime. I think that we could have millions that come through us if we add up all of the money we've earned over our lifetime, but we're going to equally spend a lot of times, especially if you have a consumer's mentality. But some people just don't need an exorbitant amount of money. Mm -hmm. By and large, if you live in the United States of America... You're wealthier than 90% of the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to how much we earn on average. And poverty in the United States is uh, is wealth in other countries, right? Because it's really about access and, and opportunity. And so even as it relates to finances, I believe in equality of opportunity, but I don't believe that we can control the outcomes, So I I cannot say that I believe in equity, which to me is a different term 
then equality, and not just to me, it's defined differently, equality and equity. And I think if we're striving for everyone to be the same, then we're losing out on the uh, creative nuances that each person brings to the table and the fact that there are some people who are called to this and there are some people who are called to that. And let's bring it back to the Bible. Victoria even mentioned this, the, the parable of the talents. I mean, if Jesus was about equity, wouldn't he have given each man in the story 10 talents? Why did one have one and one have five and one have 10? Uh, because the bottom line is that their their intrinsic value had nothing to do with how many talents they had, but had everything to do with what they did with what they had. And I think that's what makes all of the difference. And in pursuing prosperity, it's not about accumulating dollar bills in a bank or houses and cars just for the sake of collecting houses and cars because that's rooted in pride and vanity. But it's about fueling and funding the vision that God gives for for your life. And every person, that's going to be different. One person might need X amount of millions of dollars, and another person might not need all of that money, depending on their vision and also depending on what God has called them to do. I think, obviously, you know, someone living in poverty, living in lack, obviously is not a part of a kingdom mentality. God wants you to have not just enough, but more than enough. But who's to decide what is enough? Mm-hmm. And practically speaking, let's think of equality in this way as well. If we were to hand out every single person a million dollars today, the value of a million dollars would no longer be yeah, what it is, dollars, right? Yeah. And even thinking about inflation, right? I went to Zimbabwe back in 2007 at the height of their hyperinflation where it would take a wheelbarrow's worth of money to buy a loaf of bread. Mm. And I have even now a million dollar bills. So for all intents and purposes, you could say that I was a millionaire just by holding one of those Zimbabwe dollars. And I forgot the name of their currency. And, and, and eventually they adopted the U.S. currency and uh, they're rebuilding in, in certain ways now. But they were in a hyperinflation, which meant I could have a million dollars in my hand, but it, it meant nothing. So the pursuit of these titles of being a millionaire or a billionaire means nothing if it's not connected to a vision and a mission. The same thing with our children. We don't want to teach them to pursue money. We're teaching them to pursue purpose. And that activity of solving problems and serving people is going to attract resources and it's going to attract wealth. And that wealth comes in the form of creative ideas, problem-solving abilities, which in turn attract wealth. When you solve problems, people are going to pay you for it. The bigger problems that you solve, the more you're going to be paid for it. I've used this analogy before. You go and get a haircut. Now it could be 50 bucks for a haircut. Uh, For women, it's going to be more. For uh, a heart surgeon to perform open heart surgery on you, it's going to be upwards hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And hopefully that'll be covered somewhat by insurance. But if you don't have insurance, you're going to be looking at a hefty bill because it's a bigger problem. A haircut is a small, small potatoes compared to a heart surgeon. That's not to diminish what a hairstylist does 
or that a barber does, but it's just to say the value that is placed on it and the, the resources that are needed are vastly different. Now, we can talk about the deficiencies in the healthcare system and the overcharging of, of things and the non-disclosure of prices when you go and get you know services done at a hospital or whatever, um, medical procedures performed. Uh, but the bottom line is greater the problem, greater the resources necessary to solve that problem but there's also greater responsibility. But also it. there's greater responsibility. <laughs> a lot of people that want to be millionaires don't understand the headaches of having that kind of money and having lawyers and um, fees and taxes and all the kind of stuff. How many times pay. you're sued. Yes. All just, of those things. That, I mean. Not ever. I think if somebody actually would find out what comes with a million dollars, they probably would not um, want that. I, I remember seeing the celebrity, and I'm not going to name their name but um it was an interview and they were asking her you know how she got to her success and i don't applaud the way she got there but i just always find it fascinating just what people say and he said you know you having this money and you having acquired all you know this wealth and coming from nothing and struggling to having cars and lamborghinis and stuff like that are you happy and it was kind of sad because she kind of looked a little she goes she said Sometimes, sometimes. And, I, and that was very sad to me because I think that people at the top that have experienced fame and have are rolling in the dough, so to speak, they are not experiencing that, that happiness that maybe some person that is actually doing a nine-to-five job. Um, That's right. Because money, again, does not solve your problems. And I think at the end of the day, as believers, God wants us to be a portal he wants us to receive, but also have open hands to give whenever he is calling us to do so. I think we've been challenged as a family to give like we've never been giving before. And the funny thing is that we have stepped out on faith. And we, at first, when we got out from like the whole nine to five job and having the security of a paycheck every single week or every two weeks, um, you know, we, we were scared. But I think I think we have learned so much to walk by faith and that we understand now, well, at least I personally have learned to understand that, you know, I don't own the money. It's really what God has given, what God gives me, I'm going to become a steward of what God gives me and also be willing to give whatever God asks of me. And I think when God tests your heart and he sees that you're going to steward what God, what he gives you well, and also be obedient when he tells you to give, then he can trust that kind of person with more wealth and more responsibility. Yes. And I think that's what God has called us, called us to be. I mean, we even see Paul. He said, I have, you know, learned to be happy in much and in little. And I think there are seasons where you may experience a lot. And then there may be seasons where you may experience little. And in those moments, you still have to approach it with gratitude and uh, lean on God and stand in faith that, you know, regardless of what the economy is going through in whatever nation that you are in, that you, your finances and your state uh, or your being, whatever you are experiencing right now, it's not relegated to that economy, that God is going to take care of you and 
Um, again, you're not walking by sight, by, but by faith. Um, and that's yeah. what God has asked us to, to do. And most entrepreneurs, successful ones, will, will tell you that they've lost and earned millions of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, depending on, I mean, it takes risk to st- step out in faith. And I will say, I don't think that we were scared. When we, when we stepped away from the comfort of a paycheck, I don't think we were scared at all. I think that we trusted God or, or else we wouldn't be here, the, you know, where we are today. I think that we, we had our moments of doubt for sure, but I don't maybe, think we were scared at all. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, I'm talking from my personal <laughs> experience because I am a person of a routine, and um, I think God has really been taking me out of the the – what I know in my comfort zone, and I have I have really learned to be more flexible, especially when it came to parenting. I think with uh, our firstborn, I was very like much tight brain, you know, wanting to make sure that everything goes by plan. And I've learned pretty quickly that it doesn't go by plan. And but when I've you're had when to you're become pretty spontaneous, when you're talking <laughs> about building wealth, though, you have to almost let go. Yeah. And the Bible says that he's the Lord of the harvest, Mm -hmm. but he's given us dominion over the seed, Mm -hmm. right? And he gives seed to the sower. That means that if you are anointed to give and you continue to sow, you'll never run out of that which to give. And then the moment you start trying to be the Lord of the harvest, you take that role from God and you put all of your trust in what you can produce in your own strength and your own ability. But when you say, Lord, I have control over the seed, but you're the Lord of the harvest, you take the fear away, you take the anxiety away, because you know that he's a faithful God, and, and he's the one who created it all. He's the, 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 the father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And, and so you trust God, and you don't allow money to control you. And you say, when I need it, the resources will be there. I mean, Jesus had to pay taxes like us. Mm-hmm. But guess what? He reached into the mouth of a fish and he pulled out a coin. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of supernatural uh, realm of prosperity that he lived in that I believe that we live in as well. I mean, we have we have went from giving hundreds in an offering to to a thousand to five thousand. In one offering, not just over our lifetime. I feel like that we have stepped out to we have entered into a place where I don't really feel like that it's our own. You know what I'm saying? It's not. We're stewards. Well, at least my in my personal walk with God. That's the flip that you switch. That I had Uh is like this is not my own. This Uh is God's, and if God has commanded me to give this over then he's going to provide for whatever else to do i i need and it's like this childlike faith that if god has told you to do so and you hear his voice clearly then he's going to provide and we have seen it time and time again and it's not like we're oh if we give this amount of uh, amount of money that we should expect you know seventy five thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars but we have seen god open doors that we knew we wouldn't have been able to walk through or opportunities or ideas or business um you know ventures that we have like not even thought of when we first or got unexpected married. money or you know yeah, checks in the mail like just and even now like we have learned we and this has been throughout the course of our marriage been creating multiple streams of revenue. Like yeah. it's not like we're dependent on one source. Even when we were getting paychecks from jobs, 
we also had businesses going on, you know, whether that be writing or consulting or, you know, I, I think that according to our last accounting statement, it's like five or six streams of revenue. Now we're into real estate, which we've been in real estate for a while. And even more so, um, looking into diversifying our portfolio of resources, that it's not just contingent upon one thing. And And I'll tell you this, that your paycheck will never fund your dream. Your boss will never be able to fund your dream. And if it is, then your dream is too small. I think that if your dream doesn't scare you and cause you to Say, I, I can't do this on my own and I need resources from a supernatural place. Then your dream is not a God dream. You mm-hmm. know, you have to dream to a place where your faith will be stretched and, and you look at that bank account and you're not held captive in fear by it dropping or moving. And I know that I'm probably breaking a lot of, uh, sort of these, uh, financial gurus and their rules. Um, because I think that you should be smart and you should have reserves and you should collect up a, what is that? An emergency fund and Mm -hmm. all of those things. And, but at the end of the day, if God says to do, you know, make this investment or to, to do this, you've got to obey the leading of the Holy spirit and trust that you're going to have all of the resources needed to fulfill your purpose. If he's given you the vision, he will provide the provision if he says, this is what I want you to accomplish and do with your life, he's going to supply the need every step of the way. And the, the more you allow God to build that financial plan, the more you will have this light switch click on in your brain where you don't even think about money. How, mm-hmm. how are my bills going to be paid? They're just going to be paid. I don't think of where it's going to come from. Now, listen to me. We have a budget sheet. Yes. We look at our bills and we pay all of our bills. We have great credit score because we never default on our bills. And we also use common sense, right? Also, we have learned practical wealth building strategies such as not using credit cards for consuming, but using credit cards to leverage uh, a debt to produce wealth, right? If the credit card companies are going to earn X amount of percentage, you can use that equation against them. And you can say, well, I'm going to take the same money and I'm going to make X amount over here and then I'm going to pay you back before the billing cycle. cycle, And Mm -hmm. there you go. So whether that's investing in real estate or whether that's other, you got to take some risk. and, and, And I'm not saying to go max out your credit card today. Um, if God didn't reveal that to you, uh, or you didn't use financial wisdom, but I'm saying that you should not be using credit cards for consuming to buy, to buy things like eating out at a restaurant or things that are just not going to return to you, uh, the value. Um, other things that we think we, we buy quality instead of quantity. Um, because we go to, you can go to Target and you can spend a hundred bucks and, and all of that stuff is nothing. You couldn't sell that and make the money back, right? But even as it relates to jewelry or, you know, uh, clothing, buy clothing that's going to last and even clothing that's going to resell. 
I know for us, we do this with furniture. Since we've been married, I cannot even tell you the number of couches that we have had <laughs> come through this house. Yeah. We will buy a couch and we will sell it and make money off of it after we done set our behind on it for two years. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% true. But we also have been smart about buying it. We don't buy it full price, so but we do know what we're looking for. So just using wisdom and all those little things and allowing God to lead you and give you ideas of how to create multiple streams of revenue, um, and making sure that you do have a budget, making sure that you do follow through with that, not just like, oh, yes, I'm believing God and I'm walking by faith, but you're over here being frivolous and spending money left and right, going out, doing your nails, doing your hair, doing all these kind of things. Like we, I consider us like we enjoy our life, but we also are not like frivolous with our spending. Like we just don't go randomly doing certain things. I think we have stuck to doing certain things ourselves to save money and it works for us. It's not something that you know, we have to have, but I mean, I know everybody's needs and wants are different. And so you have to budget that out and see, is this within my budget? If not, maybe you can find a way to do it yourself, to do it at home or, you know. And and it's about instilling these values in your kids as well. Like we, to be honest, we don't, and I, this may change I, I, maybe as our kids get older, but we don't really buy them many Christmas gifts or birthday mm-hmm. gifts because, you know, they're going to get Christmas gifts from grandparents or, you know, we'll buy a, a gift for a cousin and that cousin. It's like, how many gifts do they need? We're going to be buying gifts for all of their cousins for birthday parties. And when it's their birthday, guess what? Everybody shows up with a present. And what is another random toy from mom and dad going to do? No, we're going to we're going to save that money or we're going to invest in them a small business like we've done with Mila and her candles and all and of that. And she enjoys that so much. And I'm actually fascinated by how much she's learning. I think sometimes we underestimate what our young children actually comprehend and understand. They're actually very smart. Kids are super smart. And I'm not saying Mila's the only one that's that way. I think a lot of kids are very smart. We're just not giving them enough credit that they actually understand what you're telling them and them having the ability to grasp certain concepts. I think if we teach our kids early on budget, saving, giving, receiving, uh, selling, buying, investing, I think that they're going to be set up for success even before they graduate high school, which majority of the school doesn't even teach anything about business unfortunately, business savvy or any (sighs) of that stuff. Like I, I remember this thing where I at 16 did not know what a savings and checking account is. I was 16, started working full-time job, pull up to the bank. And she goes, do you want to put this in the savings or checkings? And I was like, what is that? It was so embarrassing. Like nobody ever told me any of that. And I'm not saying that we need to give our kids all this terminology, but that just shows you that nobody walked me through the process of learning budgeting, learning how to manage and steward your money. I was just supposed to figure this out on my own. Um, But, you know, one thing that I have to commend my parents for was this is one of the scriptures that my parents would constantly say is that the the hand of a sower will never lack in anything to give. I'm translating this the way my mom would say it. And that basically means that if your hand is open to receive from God, but also open to give, it will never lack anything 
any resources from God. And I see that in my parents' life. They have lived by that statement. I am one of 12 kids. And let me tell you, I it, it like blew my mind the way my parents were able to help so many people throughout their life. Like they would be the, the ones that I feel like would should have an excuse to not give, to not help anybody because they have 12 kids. But I remember we would help with clothes. We would help the widows. We would be very resourceful with our food. I mean, we would have people over at our property. Like we would just find random farmers that were getting rid of turkeys or like boxes of tomatoes. And then we would have just like this numerous amount of widows on our property canning food and stuff like that. So my parents were so resourceful, but they never like kept it to themselves, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like they had the excuse in the world to do it. Like I still remember to this day, my mom, when we first came to America, for several years, we would make our own bread, which I really enjoyed. But I mean, we made this big tub of dough and it like you really had to put your muscle into it. We did not have one of those big, nice blenders that they have, the commercial ones. And I remember we would make five loaves every single week because we had teenagers and they would eat half of a loaf with a jug of milk, uh, half of a jug of milk, like one teen at one sitting. And I remember my mom, like after we would make it, she's like, go take this to your neighbors. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I've done slaved away. Like that means like next week comes around, I'm going to have to do it a day early because we're going to run out sooner. But my parents understood that concept. And I feel like that they've constantly had just random people show up and give them bag, like box of potatoes or we had hand-me-downs of clothes or people donating things. And I don't ever remember like being poor or in a place of extreme need. My parents were either very resourceful or God just made a way and somebody just showed up and gave us what we needed. Because and it's about working hard and like you said, yeah. stewarding well what you have and you know, that whole loaves and fishes mentality, like whatever the need is, God's going to spread it. And yeah. I think with our children too, whenever we get an influx of toys from a birthday, we'll also try to purge. And get rid of some toys. Or we will keep them for other holidays. Right. Or we'll save the toy. Like they'll open the present. We'll save them. Especially at this age. I think we're lucky because they're not going to remember. They're yeah. going to open it up and it's going to be fresh because on their birthday, they're getting so many toys. Oh, thank you. Move it to the side. Oh, thank you. Move it to the side. And then they've forgotten what they got. So we just like creep, creepily, you know, stow it away and save it. Um, but all of those things are, are just practical ways. But some of the other things that we just wanted to leave you on just some steps. Uh, Number one, create a vision. One of the best things that we did was write a vision for our life, and we're still pushing towards that. Start with 20 years out and say, where do I want to be in 20 years with my spouse and why? What has God put me here on the earth to do? And then kind of reverse engineer that and look at 10 years and five years. And then for us, we develop a strategy for our new year in October, which is our anniversary, and we encourage you to do the same. Number two, create a budget for your present financial situation. And that means getting out an Excel spreadsheet, even if it's paper and pencil, doing whatever you have to do to understand this is what's going out, this is what's coming in. And um, I think even as it relates to your kids, not hiding those things from your kids so that yep. they understand this is the resources that we have as a family and this is our expenditures. And then that will also create a sense of, understanding of, of 
of when you can say yes and no to certain things and understanding what's a necessity and what's a, a desire and a want. And we can all work towards that. I think one of the biggest gifts my parents gave me was the fact that I had everything that I needed, but I didn't always have everything that I wanted. I had some of the things I wanted, but especially when I got older, if I wanted something, I knew that I was going to work for it. I mean, at 13 years old, I was working at a blueberry farm or uh, another farm, you know, picking different kind of vegetables. And during the summer, and I was learning, the, you know, labor and, and, and earning money and, and doing what I could. I would intern um, at, at different companies and I would get money and, and so on. But I knew the value of a dollar and what it meant to have a vehicle and have to put gas in it. And if I was borrowing somebody's vehicle, that I would return it better than I got it and return it with gas in it and those Mm -hmm. sort of things, values that my parents passed to me that are intangible but helped me as an adult. And now I'm passing those values on to my kids. But not only create a budget for where you're at, but as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, think about where you want to be and think about what it's going to cost you to get there. What are the educational costs? What are the time costs? What is the sweat equity that you can put into the situation? Um, Because at the end of the day, uh, even if you have zero dollars to invest, you can come up with resources by the sheer strength and the sweat of your brow and saying, I can sweat equity X amount of dollars, then reinvest that. One of the greatest and most interesting shows that we watched. I forgot what it's called now, but it was essentially where they took a billionaire and dropped him into a random city. And I think it would, they gave him a truck and a hundred dollars. And in 90 days he had to create a million dollar business mm-hmm. and all he had was a hundred dollars. And so he was no place to live, no food. So that first night, I mean, it, he you spent know, in the truck. He spent in the truck eating he, canned spam or something like. But that. then he started, you know, uh, flipping. He started collecting metal scraps, and then he flipped that into buying a first car. Flipped that car. Um, did it? Did a higher value car? You know. Then he started doing property. He flipped the property. Then he started a business, and then in ninety days, he he produced a million dollar spreadsheet. You know, of this business now that I've started from the ground up, which for his, him it was like a restaurant or something like that in the city. Um, it was worth over a million dollars. Like, and what you can do in the same time that you've been given is the same time that Oprah's been given is the same time that uh you know Warren Buffett's been given or Elon Musk and it's like what are you spending your time doing and what can you do with the resources that you have for us we've made money flipping furniture we've made money you know uh writing books or you know uh, real estate or you name it like we use our gifts she's an esthetician you know i i've uh counseled people and coached people all of these different streams of revenue, and now we're teaching that to our children. But now we're understanding in our future, it's going to cost, like we want a retreat center for our ministry. We also know that it's going to cost X amount of millions of dollars between the purchase of the property and the renovations and getting it to where we want it and how much revenue we're going to be able to bring and how much money we're going to have to raise. We're thinking about those things, building the business plans. You have to do that. Um, number three, understand the difference between um, a consumer spending debt and leveraging debt to produce wealth. That's what I, I, I taught you guys earlier, knowing that there's a difference and that, you know, uh, 
every dollar that you bring in should not be consumed. And we we use a lot of our money on um, disposable items when mm-hmm. our disposable income should you you can you can peel that back, right? Think of the amount of money if you're a woman and you get your nails done every other week, you could spend thirty bucks. That's sixty bucks in a month. You know, I, I add that up very quickly. If you know that sixty bucks a month, six hundred and six seven hundred and twenty dollars in a year. I okay, think some women are laughing about that because thirty dollars is like the basic manicure <laughs> or coffee, right? Yeah, or coffee. Five dollars here, five dollars there. Starbucks, you know, when you could invest in a coffee machine and make your own at home. Like I, all it these was things. actually interesting because I talking about coffee. Somebody was saying that they you know usually buy starbucks at least every day and then when they asked how much the machine cost that we bought and i told them and i we actually got it on sale and they were like wow that is way too much and i was thinking to myself really like you spent six dollars every single day like if you calculate that for 365 days a year um you you basically have probably purchased or not purchased, you, you could have purchased like three of those machines. And now we have our machine going on three years. Yeah, and we have we, we rarely buy coffee from coffee shops. Um, most of the time we make our coffee in the morning and it doesn't cost us as much. Right, we're definitely not doing it every single day. Um, but it's those little things that you can think of, where can I pull money from? And it's also understanding the value of your gifts and of your time. Speaking up for yourself and using your job and climbing that corporate ladder and and asking for a raise, not being afraid to say this is what I bring to the table. And if and if that doesn't happen and, and you're, the company that you're working for is you know stingy when it comes to those things, I mean there are other opportunities. There are more companies hiring now than ever before. And you can find another job. And not only that, you can create another stream of revenue, learn the art of saying no. Um, number four, um, real estate. There should be a long-term strategy and a short-term strategy. You know, the home that you live in, when you're young in particular, every house that we've lived in, we always went into it saying, this isn't our house. This is an investment. Even though we're living in it, we know that we're going to sell it in X amount of time and we're going to make money. Eventually, we'll have a house that we live in long term and we retire in. But right now, every house that we've had, that we're on our fourth house now and every one of them are investment properties. And so thinking of it in that way, you're going to be able to build long term. What is your short term strategy? Could you have rental properties? You're buying all of these cars, but do you have houses all of those things are like cars depreciate in value unless you have a rare sports car kind of situation. And even those don't appreciate in value as much as getting a piece of property would. You know, in the little thing like if you got a rental property that paid for itself plus gave you an extra $300 a month, there's your car payment. Go get you a car. Instead of saying, let me take from my check and go get a car, and now I'm just spending all of the money that I'm bringing in. Those little things. I know we don't have time to talk about everything in detail, um, but remember that the world is not ruled by money. It's ruled by ideas. Um, and then I want to talk, because Victoria is passionate about this, um, two more things. We're living in a time where shortages are going to become commonplace with inflation and all of this. 
you've got to to arm yourself with the practical skills to sustain your family with your own hands. And for us, that meant learning gardening. Mm -hmm. Her family did a lot of gardening. My family did some as well, but when we had our houses and stuff, uh, we we planted gardens and we yielded those crops and 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 now even though we're living in um, a space where there's not a yard, um, we've gotten something called a lettuce grow, and so we have lettuce and herbs and stuff growing right here in our kitchen. So there's not really an excuse. You can do anything from plant little pots of things in your window. But I think it's just learning the skill. I think community gardens are going to become even more important in the days to come. I think supporting your local farmers. Yes. Because we have depended too much on uh, external exports. And that actually, I think COVID revealed that so much because now we're all frantic when something is not on the shelf, when I think that we have farm, uh, you know, local farms that have milk and cheese and butter and uh, meats and um, produce that we can buy. And I think people just, I think even lost the art of cooking and just having basics in their kitchen and pantry. So they freak out if their favorite sauce is not in the store. And I think that this is the time for us to really learn, okay, I have this basic ingredient. What can I make with it? And there are a lot of things that you can make with certain things just if you have basic ingredients. You don't necessarily have to go to the store to buy milk every single time. Um, Although I think if you support and put a demand on local farms, then they're actually going to produce more. And that actually keeps your economy within your uh, city growing because you're keeping that money inside. So that's another reason you want to do that. I think we need to get into canning more, I think, in the fall. Hold on. Go ahead. The SD card is almost up. Like in the fall, I grew up with that. I know we had really long winters in Ukraine. My parents lived in the city, in the capital of Kiev. It's city. Like there's no land. We lived in a condo. So what we did was actually we helped on our grandma's country lot. She grew potatoes and different kind of things, and she had goats and milk and all that. And we helped pick potato bugs and, you know, help till the garden and all that stuff. So we would take a lot of this stuff back home, and my dad, with the guys, built a cellar underneath the garage. And my mom did a lot of canning. So anytime whatever item was in season, we bought a lot of it and then we canned it so we had a lot we, for we the winter we depend so much on the system yeah like and even during the pandemic with um it's like or when here when a snowstorm comes it's like bread and milk is gone but you go down the aisle and you still have full shelves worth of flour it's like nobody knows how to make bread anymore yeah <laughs> from scratch you know and there's just so many different ways to make like a simple thing like even pancakes you know there's numerous of things uh, ways to make it like you can make it with a banana or you can make it with oat milk uh, like oat milk just having oat milk in your pantry so just going back to those basics, learning those practical learning skills, those because that really you never help. know yeah. when you're going to need that in the future, especially. And finally, as you're building your plan, you know, budget in money for recreation and vacation time um, and enjoy life and experience life, but budget it in. Have it as a line item in your budget and make sure you're investing in yourself and your family. And again, let's stray away from the consumerism activities and experience more adventure. Mm-hmm. 
get outdoors. There's a lot of free things that you can participate yeah. in. Parks, um, parks, picking strawberries, picking blueberries, whatever else you can. Uh, hiking, like go local and see festivals, water, waterfalls. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of great things that Absolutely. are available. Yeah. Well, I know we've thrown out a lot of nuggets today when it comes to this. Um, as for me and my house, we're going to continue this conversation, but we're going to pick that up in um, about a month or so. We're going to take some time. We have some projects that we're finishing with our family, some financial projects, some business endeavors, and we're going to take some time and rest at the end of summer, go on a trip with our family. And so stay connected with us on social media to get your constant stream of encouragement, whether that be on Instagram at more most forever. Um, you could follow me, Ryan Cole empowerment or at Victoria Cole, um, get all kinds of inspiration, um, or just go to moremostforever.com. Yeah, and you can always message us. We have a phone number, 864-428-7131. Any questions, any topics you guys want uh, to cover, or you have anything that you want to discuss in regards to your marriage or your relationship, it goes directly to us, and we are the ones reading it. We're the ones who are responding. So we're just taking a break for our podcast, but all of our other stuff is still going, all the motivation on our Instagram our reels, um, a lot of resources that we have on our website. You can still find those at moremostforever.com and be sure to stay tuned and connected. All right. God bless. We'll see you soon.